Hi everybody, this is about the practical guide to respond to the coronavirus crisis. The partners of Liflow Firm in Beijing and Shanghai have discussed with the professionals of the FNB industry in China. The purpose of the discussion was to see how to reduce the impact of the coronavirus crisis and how to mitigate disruptions. We have been invited by Biggie Stephenson, the CEO of ISC Food, with my partner, Gregory Louvel, in Beijing. My name is Bruno Grangier, I'm a partner of LEAF, and I'm now in Shanghai. Yeah, let's start. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank you, uh, Bruno and uh, Greg, for uh, setting up this call for us. And uh, it's a great help because uh, we sent some questions uh, from the group to you before the call. And I know that you have had a call with other organizations, very successful and have been very helpful for their for the members. We are we are in uh, in FMP. We are especially hit hard by the coronavirus. And uh, so it's very important that we all stick together, that we are united and we support each other. And uh, so over to you, uh, Bruno and Greg, and thank you so much for uh, contributing your time. Okay, thanks Biggie. First of all, hello to everybody. Um, I am in Shanghai, Greg is in Beijing. We are here since the beginning uh, of the coronavirus crisis. We've been following the activity and uh, we decided to share some information uh, on a practical guide that uh, is now online and that we are updating every day uh, or each time it's necessary when we see a new important regulation. Um, before starting, maybe a few rules to, uh, to keep in mind. So uh, you are uh, now, you are 32 online plus us. Uh, your mic is off. We are, we are going to uh, do four presentations of four different topics. The first one will be the, the safety of the employees. The uh, second one is the continuity of the business. Uh, the fourth one is the impact of the crisis on your contractual obligations. And uh, the last one is what you shall check in order to benefit from subsidies and what are the last best practices that we have seen. We are going to do a presentation for each of these topics of around 10 minutes. And then we will do a Q&A session. Uh, there will be, uh, of course, a specific focus on the HR, the the quarantines and all these questions will be addressed. If you have a question, please raise your hand or, or send uh, your question on the, the Zoom system. And then after the 10 minutes presentation for each topic, we will have a Q&A session so that we can reply to, uh, to you guys. We try to uh, close that within uh, one hour, okay? So, First of all, thank you for uh, attending. As I was saying, uh, um, my name is Bruno Grangier and I'm based in, uh, I'm based in Shanghai. Uh, I am a lawyer and I created a law firm called LEAF. And Greg, uh, Gregory Louvel is based in Beijing. He's also a partner of LEAF. And we are both, uh, we've been here uh, following the, the, the corona crisis since the beginning. We uh, think it's a great, uh, uh, opportunity to share this practical guide to help you guys and uh, this practical guide is updated 
every day uh, since the, the beginning of the crisis uh, with uh, new regulations and uh, also uh, some of the best practice we, uh, we can see. The first thing that we did uh, in, for our business was to try to ensure the safety of the employees. Uh, first of all, it's an obligation uh, of the employer to, uh, to keep and to ensure the safety of the employees. Don't forget that we are in a, in a very specific period. Uh, the obligation uh, includes the fact that you shall uh, adopt uh, effective health protection measures according to the law uh, to keep the safety of your employees. You have to report uh, promptly to the authorities in case uh, one of your employees uh, is suspected to be, uh, to be sick or if you find an employee who is sick. And you have to cooperate with the competent health authorities uh, in case of control. I guess uh, it's even more important in, uh, in your business because you need to ensure the, the safety also of your, of your clients when you're in the F&B uh, business. I know that uh, most of you guys are in the F&B uh, business. So that's, that's what we try to, to do at the, at the beginning. What we, what we see is uh, there are important, uh, there is a, a new and specific, there is a big number of specific rules that are issued uh, on a daily basis. I understand that in the FNB industry, uh, groups have been created, including groups by WeChat, have been created with uh, the authorities, and they are giving uh, uh, specific, they are providing you with specific regulations that need to be followed up. It includes the, the opening time uh, and all the, the safety measures that you need to adopt to protect uh, uh, employees and clients. So uh, we understand that, for example, in Shanghai, the regulation is uh, different from uh, district to uh, district. It's not the same if you are in um, on the bound and on Xinjiangdi, uh, which may benefit from uh, different, uh, uh, you know, obligations due to the tourism activities in these places than if you are in other district in in Shanghai. Um, so you have to follow your uh, district rules and you cannot take the example of another restaurant which is open and which is not in your own uh, district. Of course, uh, regulations may also evolve from a building to building as you have observed uh, in your personal life because some buildings will adopt uh, more stricter rules in order to prevent uh, people from going in and out. So of course you have to also abide by these uh, rules, uh, especially when uh, your building is owned by uh, state-owned companies who are, I mean, which, is, which are actually representing uh, the authorities. Uh, in principle, um, it's true that the business uh, is supposed to uh, to have a start back in Beijing since the the third uh, of uh, February and in Shanghai since the the 10th of uh, February. However, restaurants uh, and uh, most of the F&B hotels are still closed due to very specific uh, regulations. So I guess um, the, the main issue will be how to deal with um, the employees when they are coming back uh, at work. 
However, some of you are already uh, working in their production sites to do uh, delivery. So in this case, in this, in this uh, production site, you have to, uh, um, you have to imp you know, implement some uh, safety regulations. And, and uh, for example, we have appointed, uh, we, we strongly recommend to appoint uh, a flu manager who is doing the control of the employees and also to abide by the regulations uh, specifically according to which you need to provide uh, uh, protective equipment to your staff, uh, masks, uh, gloves. And Bruno? Yes, sure. Bruno? Yeah, yeah. just uh, one word about deliveries. You know, if you do delivery direct, uh, you, you have to know that you need a license to do that. So it's better to use third party platforms that take care of the, uh, of the licenses for you. Right. Yeah. We'll talk about financing and uh, refinancing, cash flow, etc. Yeah. So uh, for the financing and refinancing, of course, everybody is, uh, is checking his cash flow and everybody must have done the, the cash flow verification. Um, I guess that uh, you're also uh, checking for options to uh, re-inject cash uh, or find some fi alternative financing. For the cash injection, please, you know, bear into mind that uh, any uh, capital increase need time, first of all, to be discussed with your investors and uh, your finance, uh, your, your, your investors or, or your groups, if you are working for uh, in the subsidiary of a group and uh, injecting cash for capital increase uh, need at least uh, two or three months to, to be decided at the corporate level and then to be performed uh, and uh, in compliance with the, all the, the, the Chinese regulations. If you, are, uh, if you are a group of investors, and if it's a private business, same thing, uh, you will need to find, uh, you will need time to find alternative financing. Shareholder loans need to be uh, specifically uh, addressed. Uh, there are some specific rules to, to comply with for the refinancing. Again, this also takes time. Uh, otherwise, you, you will have to uh, do procedures quick and dirty, which may actually generate tax, uh, uh, tax burden to be dealt with. Um, for the uh, HR, I think everybody has a lot of questions on the uh, on the HR. Uh, I guess you have all done some communication with your team, and uh, you have, I guess, uh, all felt that uh, your team are, are frightened. Many managers are not in, in yet in China, and they have to. Uh, take into account the fact that the team are super frightened to come back to work because they, they are concerned to take the, the public transportation. They, there is a real uh, huge fear to deal with. Uh, we also have problems to, uh, to make sure that our team is coming back to the office. So we have the same kind of um, So there are uh, different rules to, uh, to take into account. Uh, of course, uh, you have all um, seen that the public, in terms of salaries, first of all, you have all seen that uh, the public holidays have been extended for uh, on a national basis, and uh, up to the second of uh, February included. Uh, sorry, uh, up to yeah, up to the second of February included. Yeah for all China. So it means that any uh, employees who have worked during these uh, national holidays uh, 
he's entitled to receive three times the salary. After that, uh, normally, uh, in principle, Uh, people were supposed to resume work uh, and uh, the, the salary has to be paid in principle uh, normally. However, some, uh, some provinces and some municipalities have issued some very specific regulations uh, which have extended the, the holidays. During this specific period, for example, in Shanghai, holidays were extended up to the ninth included. It means that if uh, employees have worked during this period, employees are entitled to, uh, to receive two times their salary. We have seen some person saying that uh, employees are supposed to receive two times the salary in addition to their normal salary. And we don't believe it's, uh, it's the application of the law. We believe that this uh, only two times the salary has to be paid. Um, then you have to take into account some uh, specific regulation due to the quarantine. And uh, of course, some specific regulation if your restaurant or if your business has been closed. So uh, during the, the quarantine period, if the quarantine is imposed by the authorities, um, the employee is supposed to receive his normal salary despite the fact that he cannot work or she cannot work. Um, if the business is closed, normally uh, the company is supposed to pay the salary. In some uh, municipalities, specific regulations are applicable in order to protect the, the company. And for example, in Shanghai, uh, you are supposed to pay if your business is closed you are supposed to pay the normal salary for a month. And then after this uh, salary cycle, you are entitled to lower the salary down to the minimum uh, salary applicable in, uh, in Shanghai. Greg, can you tell us more about Beijing? Yes, so uh, work resumed a bit earlier uh, uh, because the early, after the end of the holidays on the uh, side of uh, February, everybody was supposed to uh, Uh, to go back to work, uh, but of course, uh, no one actually, I mean, uh, only uh, some mandatory uh, uh, work resume, mainly uh, facilities, managers, and some factories critical for the country. So basically, uh, if you're a pri private employer, your employees are, are working remotely, but it's not, uh, it's not possible for everyone. So uh, some people, um, so in the F&B industry, of course, for businesses to receive customers, or some people, uh, most places were closed, but some reopened at the end of last week or over the weekend. And uh, some went through all the whole period paying uh, triple salary uh, to their employees to keep them uh, 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 working. Uh, but we've got uh, different regulations in Beijing, uh, meaning that, uh, Uh, basically, um, they, 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 they put in place what uh, people call the standby period uh, for employees that were unable to return to work. And uh, of course, the standby period was kind of uh, vaguely defined, so we don't have the exact definition, and we haven't heard specifically the exact uh, feedback from authorities on that. But, be but basically, uh, during the standby period, 
the employee had to be provided basic living expenses at the rate of at least 70% of Beijing minimum wage. Uh, so the Beijing minimum wage was around uh, is around 2020 uh, for for this year 2020 sounds good and um, 2,200 I guess so doesn't make much money two, two, two thousand yeah two thousand two yeah two thousand twenty no no it's two thousand twenty okay. and um, the uh, so when I was talking to uh, to clients or people in the F&B industries during the uh, the last weeks and they were telling me basically I mean in any case salaries were very low so uh, they, they decided to pay the uh, the full uh, basic salary without bonus for people to be able at least to keep paying for their for their rents and their uh, minimum uh, living cost so that that was the uh, the tendency of, of what I heard in Beijing uh, and. Uh, but in case you you decided to put in place the seventy percent uh, of uh, Beijing minimum wage uh, policy, and our, our recommendation is uh, to enter a written agreement in Chinese with your employee uh, for this standard period, so to make clear that the employer uh, can do it uh, if the employee refuses refuses to agree uh, to go and stand by because in some cases people were refusing. So the idea was to document everything, and that's something that uh, we discuss a bit uh, later with the force measure as well. Try to document as much as you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have also uh, received a lot of questions on uh, how to uh, deal with um, employees if you cannot pay anything, and uh, how to terminate employees during this, um, this uh, very hard period of time. So in principle, uh, uh, the decrease of uh, activity and uh, economic difficulties are not um, are not a legal ground to terminate a labor contract in China. Uh, China has only issued regulation for mass layoff, which is applicable if you terminate 20 persons or 10 percent of your uh, staff. In practice, it's very difficult to uh, to put in place. We have also uh, seen some uh, very specific regulation for the coronavirus, saying that uh, employment contracts should not be terminated due to the reason of illness or incompetence or the change of objective circumstances or mass layoff during this period of time. So clearly, uh, uh, everything is done to, uh, to make sure that employers keep their employees. Social stability. Yeah, keep the social stability. And uh, also the regulation said that if the employment contract expires during any medical treatment period or, or local period, the uh, expiring date should be automatically extended until the, uh, the expiration of such uh, a specific period of time. So everything is uh, today done to uh, keep the, um, the employees uh, employed and to keep the employment. Um, we have also uh, questions uh, on the so so the principle is normally if employees uh, were supposed to resume work um, starting from the ninth, for example, in Beijing, and they don't show uh, they don't show up in principle. Normally, an employer can terminate this labor contract. However, if the employee is stuck 
in uh, key areas such as uh, Hubei uh, and all the other specific uh, areas that have, been, that have been identified by the regulations, you are not supposed to terminate this employment contract. You're supposed to keep the burden. However, at the same time, if your business is closed, you may benefit from the right to reduce their salary. So you cannot terminate in principle if your business is closed, your, your employees are supposed to remain employed. However, you are entitled to reduce the salaries according to various, you know, to local regulations, such as we, such as in, in Shanghai or Beijing. What happened in case of security? Hey Bruno. Yep. Bruno, this is Piki. I'm, I'm sorry to uh, disturb you. I just wanted to explain to everybody here in the audience that that uh, if they have a question, there is a Q&A. They can actually post their question. And you, you know, we just got a question now from Camden, you know, but can, can you please explain that, uh, Bruno? Like, uh, sure, you know, we start to receive, can... we start to receive uh, questions on the, on the Q&A, so we are going to address them in, uh, in a minute. Just a few words. Yeah, no, can, can, you, yeah, can you explain? I'm sorry, can you just explain how to write the questions? Because I see the captain is using the chat, and I have to admit personally, I don't know how, you know, because I'm on the panel, and I don't have the access to write questions. But how can you write questions if the audience has questions? So normally, there is a, there is a chat box, and you can send a message to, uh, to all the speakers. So you can send your question here. There is also uh, a Q&A uh, down the screen. So you can use this Q&A to, to, uh, to send your question and we will reply uh, after the, in a minute. Uh, we have already received a, a question from, uh, from Nat, Alexander and uh, Eduardo Vargas. We, uh, so I have seen the question also from Camden, so we are going to deal with them. Um, we have also received a lot of questions on the sick leave. Uh, maybe, Greg, you want to say a few words about the sick leave in Beijing? Okay, so uh, basically, um, if you are uh, quarantined or if you are in a recovery period in hospital, uh, you need to be paid 100% of your salary. Even if Beijing had a, had a rule that says in, if you're sick, you get 80% uh, uh, of your salary rule. For this specific case of coronavirus, they decided to uh, uh, upgrade that to 100%. So it's still a burden. So basically, the, all the uh, same, all the regulation goes in the same direction, saying still social stability, you gotta pay for your employees, you can't get rid of them, or if you do it, uh, you'll be punished. Mm. Yeah, so exactly the same thing during the, the, the quarantine, during medical period, uh, Normally, the, the, the salary should be fully paid in, uh, in Shanghai during the normal medical treatment period. However, the sick leave salary uh, can be paid. Um, okay, uh, the last thing we have also seen is a um, question on the bonus that should be paid uh, or not in this very specific period of time. So employers uh, were supposed to pay to, to, to pay bonus and, and are supposed to pay bonus normally at, the, at this period of the year. 
And of course, <clears throat> the big question is, uh, shall we pay them or do we have the obligation to pay this bonus? So again, you have to review your labor contracts and the way the bonus clauses are, are drafted may have a, an impact on this. Of course, uh, if according to the contract, you have the obligation to pay, we, uh, we have seen a lot of our clients and a lot of our friends starting negotiation uh, with their employees to, um, to reduce or to postpone or to cancel the bonus in this, uh, in this period of time. But uh, we, can tell, we can tell that if labor contracts and if bonus policies uh, are defined in a way that the payment of the bonus is compulsory, uh, employees may actually uh, uh, require the payment of this amount of money in front of the courts later on. Okay, let's, I mean, we have a few questions on, on what we said. Uh, and the first one is if people do not come back because they are in Wuhan or any other key areas, until when we need to keep them? And can we stop paying until, until they're back? So as we said uh, in this uh, period of time, people were in a lockdown due to administrative measures, you know, such as people in Wuhan and, uh, and the other key areas are supposed to be kept uh, employees. If your business is closed uh, due to administrative uh, uh, lockdown, you can reduce the salary uh, depending on the local uh, regulations, but obviously, according to the regulation, you cannot terminate the contract for people in, uh, locked, uh, locked in, in one or in any other places. What about salaries for employees who are not working due to the 14 or 70, seven days quarantine in, in any place? or uh, because of the uh, inability to leave their hometown in the case of a business that is still open so the employee is, what do you do when your employee cannot come back again uh, due to the quarantine that is imposed to him through the local you know local building management or local administration what can you do if the employee cannot leave his hometown again during this period of time uh, the employee is, is supposed to remain an employee and in case of this specific case of absence is not a legal ground to terminate labor contract. So only uh, the reduction of the, uh, the salary in accordance with local regulation is, uh, is possible. And again, negotiation is still open uh, for these employees who are, who are in lockdown. Regarding terminating staff, if, if we are not allowed to terminate or mass layoff, then the only option is to file bankruptcy. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, bankruptcy uh, later on. <clears throat> Again, uh, if uh, today we see a lot of pressure uh, on the shoulders of the employers, it's true. Um, and um, we are going to talk about the, the subsidies that are offered to, uh, to companies, but it's true that uh, uh, the only way to deal with the, the situation, the best way that we uh, have implemented uh, for our friends and clients is to negotiate with the employees. And uh, most of the companies uh, uh, have already negotiated with their employees unpaid leaves uh, during this period of time where people cannot come back or where people cannot uh, work because the, the, the business is closed. So there's a most of the most of the, the the situation have been dealt with 
through negotiation. Filing bankruptcy uh, in uh, the most dramatic case is, uh, is an option according to the law. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, our experience of uh, filing bankruptcy in China. Yeah, Bruno, um, I'd be very careful um, on the way I discuss about bankruptcy, but uh, if, you if you decide or if you have to go this way, uh, bankruptcy, especially bankruptcy, uh, it, which is either uh, because your, your creditors sue you to ask for money or you're being put automatically uh, by courts in, a, in, a, in bankruptcy. Uh, it's a very painful process in, uh, in China. And uh, if you are a director or legal rep uh, of, of your company uh, here, uh, then you might be blocked from leaving China until the debts are settled. So if you feel that you have to, you will not avoid bankruptcy, do planning ahead. Yeah, in our experience of uh, filing bankruptcies um, means that um, you need to uh, require an authorization from the authorities. Uh, been in China for around 15 years. We have tried to file a bankruptcy and each time the authorities, and we have tried to file mass layoff, each time the authorities have refused that. For mass layoff, uh, our uh, experience is that even big groups, you know, large groups, um, uh, terminating uh, manufacturing sites, or uh, even last year, uh, I think that it's uh, uh, General Electric's uh, terminating uh, more than 2,000 uh, employees. They had to go through individual termination agreements to avoid the procedure of mass layoff. So negotiation with your employees uh, to sign a mutual agreement to terminate the, the employment contract uh, is still uh, the way to solve 99.9% .9 of the, the mass layoff cases. For bankruptcy, uh, clearly uh, my experience of the bankruptcy cases in, uh, in China uh, is that the, employee, the, the authorities have never given any authorization. They ask you to terminate everything on a mutual agreement basis, solve all the, the debt, even if uh, there is a, sometimes no solution, and then do uh, a liquidation of your, on a voluntary basis of uh, your company. So again, bankruptcy is, uh, is not a solution. However, it's true that in the very recent, uh, I mean, last year and in the, the last months, we have seen new bankruptcy courts uh, being um, set up in many cities, including Beijing and Shanghai. And we anticipate that the bankruptcy law will be uh, boosted and maybe implemented uh, differently in the, coming, uh, in the coming months, in the coming weeks or in the coming months. It's really to be followed up. If people are still under probation, uh, can you let them go without any extra charge? Again, economic difficulties are not uh, a reason to terminate a labor contract. And uh, in, case of, uh, in the case of probation, during the probation period, an employer is, is entitled to terminate the labor contract. However, he shall uh, give and justify this uh, decision. So um, uh, in this case, uh, please be careful with the justification that you are giving. And um, 
you have to document termination, give justification, but this justification shall not be related to the financial difficulties of the company. If the company uh, seeks to reduce salaries to an amount uh, not less than Shanghai minimum wage and seek to get uh, individual employee signatures agreement on this reduction. So this is the question that we see. Um, so uh, I'm not sure I understand the question, but the idea is uh, in the case that uh, the, the employee or the group refuse to agree on this uh, new negotiated pay rate, how does this affect? Okay. So um, in Shanghai, uh, my understanding of the regulation is that, of course, you can, you can always negotiate with your employees. If the employees are, are, do not agree on the reduction of salary, the employer is entitled to reduce the salary to the minimum wage in Shanghai after a salary cycle. So um, again, subject to uh, verification with your local labor bureau, if there is any specific application in your district, but the regulation normally in Shanghai is that you are entitled to reduce to the minimum salary uh, the, uh, the salary of your employees after a salary cycle. So, so uh, please uh, make sure that you, uh, you document this with your employees, of course. But obviously, you don't need to get the approval of your employees uh, if you want to implement this right. So the first month uh, when we are allowed to pay minimum wage, does that start on uh, January or February? My understanding, but again, uh, we need to double check that because it's still not super clear in the regulation. There is, we are talking about a salary cycle starting from the, um, the, the date where the, the, the work sh sh was, in, was supposed to resume. So, my understanding is that this salary cycle has started in, uh, in Shanghai from uh, the, the, the 10th of February. So uh, we are still waiting for feedback uh, from the, the Labor Bureau. But the first salary cycle uh, should start from the date where companies were supposed to resume work. So uh, we are going to publish on this, uh, on our practical guide, once we have a feedback of the, uh, the authorities on this, okay? It's not uh, very specifically specified by the, by the regulation as of today. Many bars, clubs, and lounge were closed by government order in the month of January. If the company pays January salary in full, despite this uh, disruption of business, can January be accounted as the first payment cycle period? Yeah, uh, this, this question is very specific to, uh, to and from location to location. So let's see that and we will, uh, we will update our practical guide on this once we have a feedback on the, the calculation mode from the authorities. Greg, do, do you have any uh, position on this? No, uh, it's just uh, it's waiting for feedback as well. We, we don't have any update. Yeah. 
Yeah, the labor bureau and the, the authorities needs to uh, to give us their feedback on this. It's uh, not specifically addressed in the regulations. No, they're quite vague, so we don't know. Mm. And I haven't heard anything. And, uh, we have also a question on the the the, the foreign uh, the foreigners and the, all the foreign staff who is either unable to return or choose to delay their return. So, to my knowledge, there is. Um, <clears throat> Absolutely no, uh, no um, foreign staff who is completely prevented from coming back to China. Of course, well, unless you, Bruno, unless you want to go back to Roubaix, huh? that's the only uh, real force measure to go back to China. Yes, so, so to come back to, yeah. assuming the question is for. Uh, companies which can resume uh, their work, which is not the case in uh, the key areas, but let's say, to take an example, we assume that uh, an employee is, is um, a foreigner, is, is basically staying in, uh, in the US or in Europe and cannot come back or, or doesn't want to come back. Actually, um, you can come back to, uh, to China from US. You just need to take indirect flight or you can come back even if, uh, some countries have, have locked their, um, their, uh, their transportation mode or their, their, their airlines and flights, uh, direct, uh, direct flight with China. Everybody can uh, come back to, uh, to Shanghai or Beijing these days. So if, you choo if, if your employees choose to delay the return and uh, uh, he shall basically uh, be considered as in breach of his obligation to work. If your business uh, and if your business, if your company is, has resumed work uh, since the 9th, for example, in, uh, in Shanghai, all the employees are supposed to be uh, present. So in this case, if the employee doesn't want to come back and if he cannot work in remote, uh, it's a, he's in breach of his obligation to be uh, at work. So it's a legal ground to terminate labor contracts. And I think it's important to note that Chinese regulation, uh, the way it's, dra it's drafted in Chinese, it talks about uh, foreign other provinces, you know, uh, but not a foreign country. So there's no specific, there will be a discussion about that, I'm sure. But uh, it's like uh, if you're abroad, you, know, you because of your own will, and uh, so not on a business trip, and you don't come back to China because you, you, you're scared, uh, you don't have much protection here. Yes. Again, uh, we, we, we were talking, there is a question on the reduction of salary and what is the rate of reduction for Shanghai. The rate of re reduction for Shanghai is the minimum salary applicable in Shanghai. So Beijing has a specific rate, but this rate is not, uh, there's no rate in Shanghai, it's the minimum salary that is applicable. There are many, many, many questions. Uh, I don't know if we have the time to go through all of them. We are going to take two, uh, two or three uh, more questions. And um, yeah, so Camdem, you ask a question. Your HR said that, that in Shanghai, from the 25th to 27, it's three times per hour. And from the 28th to the 9th, it's two times per hour. So it goes down to the question to know how to qualify this period. So, Normally, um, 
the, the, the national holidays were extended until, uh, to my knowledge, until the, 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 the it was extended okay. until the 2nd of uh, February included. Yeah. So uh, people who are working until the 2nd uh, are supposed to be in national holidays. Okay. So the rate until the second included is two times per hour, uh, three times per hour, sorry. So be careful in this case, uh, because it, it's, again, it's a very specific requalification of uh, the, the period of time. People were supposed to resume work on Friday the 31st, and actually the, the national holidays were extended for two additional days until the, the Sunday the second. So, Yeah, take care on, in, in, take care for this. Okay, uh, there are many, many questions. We, we cannot uh, address all of them. Um, we see also a lot of questions on uh, the landlords and we're going to, uh, to talk about that in, uh, in the next topic. So, um, Our next topic is how does, does this situation impact your, your business and how do you, um, do you deal with your uh, contractual obligations? We have many questions on, on uh, basically the, the problem to comply with your contractual obligation. Uh, companies have the obligation to deliver services or products and they cannot because their, their staff is not working. They are actually admin. They have to face an administrative shutdown. Therefore, uh, they are in a case of uh, a very specific case where they cannot comply with their contractual obligations. And um, it's the perfect time to uh, to review your your contract uh, and check if you have included a force majeure clause or um, MAC clause, which is Material Adverse Effect Clauses. These two uh, stipulations are different tools in order either to suspend your contractual obligation, that's the force majeure, uh, or uh, terminate your contract in the case of um, a MAC clause or Material Adverse Effect Clauses. So, so force majeure uh, is actually so act of I was God. reviewing... Uh... Yeah, Bruno, I, wa I was reviewing uh, for a client uh, post measure provisions uh, like earlier this week, uh, end of last week. And uh, so, uh, typical uh, post measure clause, we say a range of cases where you need to, you, you have to suspend your business. You, you, have, you have no other choice or suspend the obligation under the contract. Uh, it could be, and epidemics is usually uh, one of these cases, okay? The, the force majeure clause will also say, in many cases, a deadline saying that if you have to suspend the fulfillment of your obligation under the contract for a period varying usually, you know, between 90 days and 180 days, so 90 and 180 days over a period of 12 months, then parties should discuss whether to terminate the contract. If it's less than that, you can just suspend the uh, application, the uh, your obligation of the contract, and not be liable uh, for failure to meet your obligations. 
Can you tell us more, maybe, and make the distinction between material adverse effect clause and R2 yeah. clause? What, 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 if, you, if you talk about the, uh, the MAC clause, uh, typically uh, that's something op op happens in the, uh, in the course of the life of the contract that just ends the contract. So we, uh, from a legal perspective, we call that there, there is a, a quasi-automatic termination because of, of an event. So for, for example, you're in uh, fundraising, you're raising money, Uh, and uh, you, I mean, of course, the epidemic uh, of coronavirus takes place right now. And your investor might say there is a change of the material uh, condition of the agreement. I was making it under the assumption that business would be operate, uh, would operate on a normal basis, and this is not a normal situation. So we will not make the investment, and so we want to terminate the contract we have with you before we complete the investment, uh, and we will not be liable for that. So that's a typical scenario where you get a macro. You know, that applies the same thing if you're in the middle of being purchased by uh, by by, by uh, people you're talking to and they want to buy you out right now you're in the middle of uh, of your negotiation or you already have signed the documentation but it's not deal is not closed yet there is a, if the contract has been drafted by professionals there's a good chance there is a mac clause in it and they might just decide not to go uh, with the termination and they won't be held liable for that because of the uh, coronavirus Uh, you know, break we we are encountering right now. Yeah. So and Bruno briefly used the word hardship. Uh, hardship is another uh, legal mechanism uh, that we encounter in contracts. It's it's uh, it, it, there is no legal definition in Chinese law, but it's, you you can see use it in contracts. So free will of the parties, they, they can use it. So basically, it's a change in the economic condition of the contract, uh, meaning that you know uh, you lost all your customers. Or uh, and uh, so, what do you do? You know, how do you uh, uh, deal with your suppliers uh, uh, in that case? Uh, how what kind of uh, provision you can renegotiate? Or you know, if you are an OEM manufacturer and uh, you know you encounter uh, the, the epidemics and uh, you, you don't you don't get paid, if you're stuck in the middle uh, between uh, the uh, the final customer and your own supplier. So how do you handle uh, you know one or the other? One's probably going to be uh, uh, the force measure, so you cannot deliver your product to your to your final customers. But if you're working with a with supplier underneath you, you know uh, they they might want you to use a force measure or half cheap as well to claim that they they can't you know uh, fulfill their obligation, their contractual obligation. So we have uh, we have some questions on um, how to use force measure in. Uh, Labor contract or force majeure in rental agreements. Of course, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, typically, um, this is these are not force majeure cases. They are exempted from force majeure uh, because um, otherwise, you know, you won't be paying your salaries and you won't be paying for your rent. Uh, so, uh, uh, but that's why also. Uh, Chinese local government have put in place, you know, subsidies, or they've announced that there will be a break from paying rent for February, March, and April as well. So, but we can discuss that a bit later when we're talking about subsidies. Yeah, I mean, it's true that this uh, this, this very specific situation is um, is taken taken care of by the by the government uh, when you are renting uh, your premises. From uh, state-owned companies, maybe uh, maybe we can we can deal with that uh, very specific case now in the uh, suspension of contracts 
or suspension of the obligation to pay the rent, Greg. Yeah. Through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, that's going to be a very challenging one. Okay. If your contract says, I mean, I've, I've, it's, it's funny because the, the contract I was reviewing uh, reviewing last week was precisely about the rent. And then the contract was very well drafted by the lawyers and they, they, they had a very clear definition about force majeure. So an epidemics was in it, there was a process described. So we just had to send the letter to tell the client, to tell the, the, the opposite party, the, uh, the landlord that we won't be paying for the, uh, uh, for, for, for the rent because it was a typical force majeure uh, case. So that was working. But in many cases, uh, it's not in the contract. Uh, because you know, uh, landlords suggest their own contract and they don't want to write uh, any case of force majeure so unless you specifically negotiated it. Uh, it's very unlikely you have it. And the uh, the, the legal protection is, uh, I mean, offered by uh, by tribunal is very uncertain for in that case. For example, you know, the place you rent, I I don't see any uh, any court upholding uh, scenario where all. The the, uh, the 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 tenant would be able to suspend the payment of their of their rent to the landlord. It's not going to work. Uh, it would be a too, too big an impact for the economic stability of the of the country. Uh, so it's not, it's just not going to work. But but that's why the uh, the local government stepped in and announced that uh, in many cases, especially uh, if you if your landlord is a state-owned enterprise. Uh, you will be entitled to have like uh, Beijing, for example, it's uh, February for free, March and April uh, uh, half, half uh, uh, rent. Uh, if your landlord is a, is a private landlord, uh, I strongly encourage you to negotiate with them because uh, there is a lot of uh, noise made by the government about force majeure and the fact that uh, they need to, landlord needs to support the economy. So uh, there's a good chance that people will feel pressured to accept a renegotiation of the lease. So do it later, uh, earlier than later. You have also uh, maybe heard that in Shanghai, specific regulations have been issued recently, and according to which, um, when the landlord is a state-owned company or a public administration, uh, there will be no uh, rent in uh, February uh, and no rent in March. Some private groups, I think Wanda Group, uh, has said that they will offer uh, February rental fees. Uh, obviously, everybody is, uh, is, is launching negotiation with their, with their landlord in order to, uh, to get either a reduction or a suppression of the, 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 the rent for this period. Clearly. Um, maybe, Greg, you want to talk also about insurance. Uh, is there any uh, possibility to, uh, to activate any insurance or what shall we know about insurance in this uh, Okay, so I, I think there are, uh, there are different angles for the insurance. So it's either going to be uh, personal insurance or professional insurance for, for your premises or for your business. Um, so if, uh, as regards, uh, you know, personal insurance, we're looking at the possibility to be uh, uh, repatriated out of uh, China to your home country. Uh, Based on my discussions uh, with insurance brokers, if your insurance is subscribed locally in China, even with foreign insurance company, it's a very case-by-case uh, -case approach as to whether they will accept to actually pay for your repatriation to your home country. So if you want to leave China because the situation goes uh, you know, worse than it is right now, the outbreak got much uh, kind of out of control, it's not true at all that all the insurance companies we're working with uh, will accept to, uh, to pay for you and your family uh, repatriation back home. Uh, 
that's the first thing. Regarding business, um, I think uh, that's something that you need to discuss at, usually at group level because uh, based on our experience, uh, group, uh, they have their own insurance company that apply for, uh, sorry, their own insurance policy that applies at, uh, for, the, for the entire world. Uh, and that's decided at headquarter uh, level. So whether uh, the insurance policy uh, that they subscribe uh, have exemption to take over, you know, uh, payment of some uh, uh, liabilities uh, uh, for local companies. Sometimes it's the case, especially in case of epidemic, riot, war, or, or these kind of issues. But uh, again, uh, insurance are very, uh, as we all know, they're very cautious and they, they usually don't like uh, uh, force measure. So the, uh, the definitions are very restrictive. So if, that, if you think that that may apply to you, I, re I reckon the best thing to do is to talk to your headquarter on this specific topic to the guy in charge of real estate at group level to, to get him to check uh, with the, uh, or the insurance guy in your company to discuss together to see whether uh, you can benefit some uh, uh, exemption here and that where the insurance uh, company can take over your liabilities. Thanks, Greg, for that. Um, we have some questions on the force majeure. And one of the questions is, uh, can I raise force majeure with a supplier or freight forwarder to delay payment beyond contractually, uh, contractually agreed payment terms? And to this end, is it possible to obtain a, a government proof of force majeure? So, okay, so in that case, there are many uh, things you need to look at. Uh, the first thing is, what is a law applicable to your contract? Uh, where, what the uh, national key of the parties? Uh, if it's Chinese law, it's going to be different than if it's, uh, you know, you English law, for example, or Hong Kong law. Because uh, China has a very, uh, I would say, uh, approach that is very much based on, uh, on, uh, on what law says. Whereas in, the, uh, in England or in Hong Kong, for example, it's more, the more freedom for the, part, to the parties to negotiate. So you might infer from the fact that you don't have a force majeure clause in an English contract or in a Hong Kong law contract, there is no force majeure applicable to your contract. So that's the first thing to, uh, uh, to look, including on faith forwarder. If that's the case, if you do have a force majeure clause or if you feel that law will uh, uh, you know, uphold the uh, force majeure application here, uh, I recommend that first of all, you document the force measure. Uh, and the Chinese government at, at local level have been very supportive of that, issuing some uh, force measure acknowledgement notices to people who are asking, uh, asking for. So there, there is a hotline in place for in many, uh, in all the provinces or, or major cities. And usually they have a service in, uh, in foreign language as well, at least in English, where you can ask for uh, details on that. And they, they will probably, uh, you know, point you to the right direction to people who can issue this kind of notice for you. Once you get the notice, uh, you send a letter because that will stop uh, your obligations. So you have to do it quickly uh, to your counterpart. You, in your contract may be specified who, who is exactly the name of the person to use, to who you send notices to. If there's no one just sending to your regular counterpart uh, in your uh, in the people you're used to talk to. And uh, and let's see what happens because uh, they might just say, sure, that's a typical post major case, uh, or they might just uh, dispute it. So that's, uh, it's very hard to say what the reaction would be. I was reading an article a few days ago about this topic about uh, general counsels, uh, what they should be doing, et cetera. So it's still pretty much uh, undecided for now. Again, 
yeah, the, 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 the basic advice is to review the force majeure clause and see how it is drafted, if there is one. And if there is no force majeure, the, the basic advice is to check what is the applicable law and, uh, and then check if the applicable regulation will, will protect you by, uh, by uh, allowing you to apply a force majeure in this case. Yeah. And, and for the record, if you're in China, it's, uh, the right approach is to uh, quickly uh, apply for force majeure certificates from the authorities as soon as possible. Okay. And, and for the record, uh, I've, I've heard that uh, Chinese state enterprises have been very quick to claim for force majeure to default on their obligations in their international contracts. Hmm. All right. Um, if there is uh, no more question on force majeure or interruption of contracts, um let's let's move forward to the the fourth topic which is uh, the subsidies and uh, the, all this specific regulation that we have seen clearly the chinese government said uh, publicly that they are pumping money in the economy to uh, to relaunch the business we have uh, we have seen a huge number of regulation uh, in many municipalities and many provinces uh, about um, how the, the government is going to help uh, small and medium companies. Uh, this regulation has been issued in, uh, in Shanghai, for example, uh, last weekend. Um, I mean, no, the, the one week ago, sorry, uh, <clears throat> with 28 measures uh, to help SMEs. In, uh, in these measures, uh, we have um, in our practical guide, we have done a list of all these measures. Now we are trying to uh, apply it. As far as I, I understand, in the, in the FNB business, um, this industry is considered as uh, uh, an industry which is highly damaged by the, the crisis. And uh, therefore, this industry, the FNB industry, will benefit from uh, deferred payment in, uh, in the social charges. Uh, so measures are, are first of all related to uh, create cash flow for companies. But to our knowledge, it's not uh, suppression of uh, social charges, it's just uh, postponing the payment of uh, social charges for the employees. Um, there are also some uh, subsidies in terms of um, uh, possibility to collect back part of the unemployment social charges. And numerous regulations have been applied uh, and have been uh, issued recently. We are still waiting for the implementing rules. Uh, again, the, the state and companies uh, have decided to uh, basically cancel the, the rental fees for February and March in Shanghai. So what we see in practice is a discussion uh, between companies and the authorities to benefit from, um, uh, from these subsidies. Uh, filings uh, are starting. So companies should uh, basically contact their, uh, their accountant or their advisors in order to quickly file with the tax bureau and with the social charge, with the administration in charge of social charges in order to benefit from uh, 
from this exemption or, or from this deferred payment. Some uh, companies are also exploring financial help from banks. So uh, again, if you don't have any uh, assets in China, uh, you have never really talked with your bank because uh, uh, the banking system is not uh, somehow doing anything easy to, uh, to lend money to companies without any uh, proper assets. So if you don't have a land use right, or if you don't have uh, premises, or if you don't have uh, machineries, it's very hard to, uh, to obtain credits. What we have seen and uh, from our discussion with, uh, with financial institutions these days, uh, they are receiving instruction to uh, ease credits even on uh, small and medium companies. As of today, it's uh, very early to, uh, to know what is going to be done. Uh, companies and especially state-owned banks are still waiting for, for clear instruction. So, so it's something to follow up. And we will follow up that in, uh, in the guide as soon as we have uh, clear examples of companies who are able to, to benefit from this kind of uh, a credit and, and loans, if, if we can find one, of course. <clears throat> Greg, what, what is the what is the uh, the situation in Beijing? Okay, so the the uh, same thing. They issued a very long list of measures to support the business, uh, like uh, twenty eight or thirty two measures, uh, with subsidies coming from uh, going to uh, specific industries like uh, airlines uh, or uh, tourism, most likely. Uh, they indeed. Uh, for hospitality, uh, okay, so I heard two things. The first thing is like everybody, uh, if you get, a, I mean, we just discuss it, but if you have a set on uh, landlord, local or national, February for free, you need to make the application. You have to do it right now. Uh, March and April be uh, half. Uh, and for the uh, payment of social uh, security and taxes, so there is an exemption of VAT. Uh, that's for sure, but there's no turnover, so it's kind of stupid to give an exemption of VAT. I mean, it's, it's not stupid, but it's useless. So people are complaining that uh, <laughs> they, they give uh, subsidies, but they are they're useless. And for for social security and uh, and uh, and tax, basically, uh, what they did is they announced the measures, but the announcement just came the day after they actually, uh, you know. Uh, uh, take money away from uh, from companies bank account for for payments so uh, people were a bit pissed about that because they say what the point you know uh, if you get away till next week to next month sorry uh, to enjoy the, uh, the, the 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 subsidies we might just go bankrupt before that so people were a bit upset in general in the in the, in the fnb industry uh, for hospitality typically hotels uh they're they in a weird situation where uh, because of this uh, 14 days quarantine uh, basically, they're not able to accept uh, guests unless they want to stay for more than 40 days in the hotel, so which means no one can come to visit to Beijing for a business trip. And uh, but the hotels are not authorized to close; they have to be open, but they're not authorized to take clients. So it's kind of a very, uh, uh, very weird, crazy situation there. You know, and they can start running, so they they just have a schedule of people working right now, and they're paying for huge costs. And there's no much support actually practically speaking at least what we see is um uh, when filings have, have started it's a pretty straightforward procedure so it's not uh, too painful to do so 
we have uh, we have started to do some filings and uh, uh, the main question to uh, to deal with are of course to identify the number of employees and the and the, the amount of the turnover uh, what we see in Shanghai is that for example in the restaurant business uh, companies of less than uh, 300 you know employees and uh, with a turnover uh, lower than uh, 100 uh, million can benefit from uh, from this uh, subsidy so it's uh, it's i mean i guess a lot of companies uh, will be uh, entitled to uh, to file and to and, and can hope to to get and to benefit from these measures um, hotels also uh, companies of uh, you know with a, a number of employees lower than uh, 300 uh, retail uh, companies with a number of employees lower than 300 that's uh, so let's see uh, let's see uh, how the filing will uh, will actually be implemented but it's 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 worth trying to uh, to file obviously is there any uh, question on these uh, subsidies is there any question on this uh, uh, you know recent regulation that we see okay um, I can see that there is a lot of question on uh, on the employment part uh, I can see that there's a lot of question on uh, how to apply the the, the three times and the four times uh, salary normally uh, we have seen a lot of uh, you know you know some um, people believe that they need to pay two or three times the salary on top of the the the, the, the current salary i strongly uh, encourage you to uh, to contact your your local labor bureau and uh, and ask for clarification normally when uh, when the regulation says uh, during national holidays you need to pay three times it's three times and uh, salary included uh, during the the period of holidays that was decided in shanghai until the ninth it's two times the salary it's not two times plus the salary we uh, we have seen a lot of uh, very strange uh, uh, very strange um, you know an interpretation of this regulation so in case of doubt um, don't hesitate to send us an email and we will clarify in in the in the big cities like shanghai and beijing uh, things are very clear normally there should be no doubt i know that there are some specific uh, practice for the fnb so on a case-by-case -case basis uh, depending on the industry we we can help you to uh, to double check with the with the relevant authorities so don't hesitate to send us an email or we chat and, uh, and uh, we can help on this. Hey, Bruno. Yep. This is Biggie here. Yes. So a, a question about the force major. I, I, I got some uh, questions uh, privately, you know, and regarding labor contract, is there any way that we can do force major or, or rectal contract? Just like a, try to give a simple answer. Force majeure is not applicable to a labor contract, to, to make it simple. The labor contract law okay. is a very specific uh, regulation that is okay. not taking care of force majeure. What up? No problem. What about rental contract? So rental contract, again, um, in principle, force majeure could be applicable to, uh, 
to your rental contract um, because a rental contract is uh, actually uh, regulated by contract law. However, um, if you signed rental contract with uh, big landlords, most of the time they will exclude uh, they will exclude force majeure from uh, uh, they will exclude force majeure from the rental contract. So my advice is please review your labor contract and uh, please review sorry, your rental contract and please review the, in detail your, your force majeure clauses. Okay, so basically if there is stated in the contract there is no force majeure, then, then we cannot uh, apply for it, right? If the rental contract... It's unlikely it's written this way. Yeah. So make it simple, Biggie. If your rental contract does not include a force majeure clause, force majeure uh, is applicable if your rental contract is subject to Chinese law. Uh, however, uh, sadly, we have to say that it's unlikely that force majeure may be applicable in the case of a rental contract. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. One more thing. Uh, everything is stated to the letter of the law, and there seems to be uh, virtually no options available in employee employer situation. It would be nice to be able to discuss practical low risk action. You know, you know everything is uh, uh, geared to uh, protecting uh, the staff and the social stability. You know. Yeah. It's true that uh, these days there's a, a huge pressure put on the, uh, the shoulders of the employers. It's true that uh, the regulation, the spirit of the law is that uh, employers should avoid to terminate labor contracts. And um, in practice, what we see is uh, obviously the idea is that employers should keep their employees. Uh, they cannot terminate employees or employment contracts. Um, in the case where the employee is sick or in the case where the employee is in a, in a situation, in a lockdown situation, according to administrative measures. For employees who are not in a lockdown due to administration, but just employees who you know, do not want to come back to work because they are afraid. And if your business is actually uh, able to operate and you can open and you, you are in operation, but this employee cannot work in remote and does not want to come back to work, uh, it's true that this, um, this employee uh, can, this employment contract could be terminated in principle. And we have to see case by case. But uh, so for employees who are in a lockdown or in key areas, they are protected. Um, on the side of the only in the key, only in the key areas. And you know, yes. okay. and again, if, if your employees uh, these days in, a log, in, in Shanghai, locked down and you cannot work, uh, you cannot come back to work whereas your business is operating, um, you cannot terminate this employee. However, if your employee is not in a lockdown situation, he can go out of his house, but he refused to come back to work because he's afraid to take the, the public transportation. We have seen that a lot. And if this employee cannot work in remote, it's true that in these cases, employment contract could be terminated. Of course, we have to see case by case, but generally speaking, if your employee is just refusing to come back to work because he's afraid and you are actually operating, 
then this employee is actually in breach of his uh, obligation. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we still have a few questions. We have already gone over the time. Uh, I just see there was one question from a supplier here, uh, Jeremy. Uh, he was asking if he's importing a container, can it be accepted for paying value-added tax? If you are importing a container, can it be, sorry, uh, can you use force majeure to avoid uh, the payment of uh, tax? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah, value-added tax. Because VAT. That goes to the government, VAT. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could probably answer this, but uh, I think what you need to do, Jeremy, is to take the container into uh, in the bonded warehouse in the free trade zone, and you don't have to pay the import tax or the value-added tax of the container. You let it sit there until you need it. That's uh, exactly, in practice, that's, uh, that's an idea to explore. Uh, the thing is, uh, force majeure may not be uh, uh, may not be uh, useful in this case because um, it doesn't look like you're in a force majeure case if your container can come uh, can come in China. So uh, yeah, I mean, is, is not subject to force majeure in this case, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I see I see where the rationale is coming from, but uh, what's happening in the background is there are many principles that apply at the same time, uh, including continuity of the state. And, and the continuity of the state is usually a stronger principle than the force majeure. So you have to discard force majeure application mm. for, for, for this kind of, uh, of, of stories. Uh, Bruno and Greg, uh, we have two more questions. Should we finish that and then close the call or should we just close the call right now? Let's go uh, it's your call. Let's go for these two questions, uh, Biggie. Okay, so, so the, the first one is uh, the difference between the ramp, you know, from the sub landlord and the government landlord, and they should pass the saving to uh, to the uh, the end landlord. Say for and he's saying if there's a four RMB difference, who who, who should get the savings? Um, I have seen a regulation in Shanghai. I, I need to double check that. Uh, so I understand the question, which is uh, if the landlord can benefit from. Uh, um, any uh, rental free or any uh, any different payment or any financial advantage can the sub landlord benefit from the same advantage i have seen a regulation in shanghai i have to double check that but i think i've seen a regulation saying no. that bruno yeah. i'm sorry it's not the the landlord will never benefit because he in uh, because he is paying less to the uh, government then the second landlord is paying renting from the government say for four RMB and then he rents it to uh, the, you know uh, the restaurant for maybe 10 or 11 so there is going to be a difference on the rent is he going to pass on only the four RMB that he's getting or that he's he's paying to the government or or does he have to pass in the whole amount that uh, the restaurant is paying to the, the the second landlord so first of all the the rental free period is granted by the if the landlord is an authority or a state-owned company, there is no obligation for a private landlord to give anything. So in principle... So that, that, that is just a negotiation. Yeah, exactly. It's a negotiation unless you have uh, something specified in your contract. It's a negotiation in principle. Okay. This being said, uh, Biggie, okay, I think I have seen yeah. something in, uh, in a recent regulation saying that 
um, all this um, all this you know subsidies and things may benefit to sub landlords. So I need to double check that uh, question. Okay, no problem. So uh, the but I I think also what what we could also do in this group that we should we could also combine some money to uh, uh, maybe to buy extra services from you so you can answer some questions for the group because we, there is a lot of people who uh, have the mutual uh, you know benefits and, and issues they're dealing with they are like uh, very very similar for a lot of the uh, the members of this group so uh, but we could talk about that later and uh, the last one is here one of my staff left Shanghai after the shutdown the restaurant even I told her not to leave and now she needs to stay 40 days in quarantine once back in Shanghai should I pay her yeah sadly the, the principle is that uh, if uh, again you are your staff is in uh, administrative quarantine and is forced to uh, to remain in quarantine. Uh, as an employer, uh, you uh, you have to uh, you have to pay, even if you uh, warn the employee, uh, even if you uh, ask the employee not to uh, leave Shanghai. But if the I mean the employee remains free to actually uh, stay or go. I mean, especially during uh, during holidays or so. It looks like, in principle, I mean, again, we need to check case by case, but in principle, you have to pay the salary of an employee who is in administrative quarantine. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do it. It's just the last one here is, uh, so we cannot end employment contract. What about the situation where business reopens? You know, can we, can we uh, convert the staff to hourly paid instead of monthly paid salaries? And, uh, I got an answer from one of the, the members in the group and he said you can negotiate with the staff now and to pay hourly rates and, uh, and then it will just increase as the business improves. So, uh, so is this just the same? That is that you, we have to negotiate with each of the uh, employees that we have one by one about yes. the hourly rate paid. So changing, there is no, uh, changing the condition, I mean, changing the terms and condition of a labor contract necessary normally you know is subject to a negotiation between the employee and the employer and uh, if you okay. want to uh, if you want to change the payment terms you need to have a written agreement with your employee in principle okay so uh, bruno and greg uh, i really appreciate uh, the generosity from both of you there's a lot of work that you put into it we spend a lot of time during the weekend to discuss uh, this chat, you know, you're doing it free of charge. Uh, I just want to share on behalf of the group that we feel appreciative to, uh, for you to uh, contribute to us and to support. And, uh, and I know for sure, Bruno, in, uh, for example, in a friend's uh, bakery uh, case with Fari, that you did a lot of voluntary work there to uh, help the uh, employees of that company to, uh, you know, so uh, you've done a lot of good things. So I really, really appreciate this. So I wish you all have a very wonderful day. We are, we are all in a pretty bad situation, but uh, if we stand together, I think we can be uh, stronger, united. So I thank you both on the panel, and I really thank uh, the audience. Thank you so thank much. Thank you guys, and uh, very happy to help. Hope to see you soon uh, in okay. your business uh, when it opens uh, back, okay?
Take care. I'm sure you will get uh, free uh, champagne somewhere if you don't <laughs> when everything go pumping. Well, that's okay. Will be perfect. <laughs> yeah, you you will be invited to the party, the celebration party. Thank you so much. Uh, wish you have a wonderful day. Appreciate the time. The call is over. The first Zoom call. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Thank Bye. you, Biggie. Forget every cloud has a silver lining. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, and free pizza from Home Slice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and champagne from Brownstone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.